Hello, Whiskey Files, and welcome to another episode of Pot Still Radio. Deed Glare Gakdina, Falchagadi on Show Pot Still Radio, Ismisha, Maiho Haley Nagyoni, Augustinu, Tommy and Tirnua, Samerica, Erna Stott, Colorado, Erna Valia, Denver. Iran Driglon Talavnua, Augusta Danenshid, Fuishke Single Patsil, Ak Neil A. Fuishke Ernak, Toshe Fuishke Single Patsil Merikanak, An Ansimul, August Tomlesh, Na Drigadoriakt, August Kobunator, Mr. Podrick Miller. Patrick Miller, welcome so much to the show. Thank you. And to all of you out there in podcast land, welcome to another episode of Potstilled Radio. As always, I am your host, Matt Healy, and today I am coming to you with another international episode of the podcast series. We are in the very sunny state of uh, Colorado. It's just outside the city limits of Denver, I believe. That's correct. Absolutely. In Talnua, an interestingly Irish-named distillery, but yet... Um, in the heart of the Rocky Mountains. So my guest is co-founder and head distiller, Mr. Distiller Miller, Mr. Patrick Miller. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate it. I'm very excited that you're here. Well, I'm delighted. I'm delighted. It is little Irish boy sitting in the middle of the Rocky Mountains. It's lovely and sunny outside with uh, some snow-capped peaks in the background. Yeah. Uh, what in the world are we doing making single pot still whiskey in the Rockies? Well, I tell you, Matt, I guess I'll, I'll start with a kind of origin story. In 2011, my wife and I were on our honeymoon. It was also the Rugby World Cup. Uh, the, hun- uh, the honeymoon was in Ireland and the Rugby World Cup was in New Zealand. So we were up early watching a game uh, at a pub. I always uh, appreciate was, Americans who know about rugby. It was, good, yeah, so. it was Ireland <laughs> versus USA too. So we were very outnumbered uh, in, the, in the pub. And uh, we got our first taste of red breasts that had just kind of entered the market. Uh, and really that's where the, the, the love story began. And, you know, our family is from Armagh originally. And so it was one of those things that we go over every year and there were more and more whiskeys that were coming on, these single pot still whiskeys that we just fell in love with. We're bringing them home, tasting friends on. Uh, you couldn't get those whiskeys really until 2014 in the US and in 2015 where, where we live out, out here. And we are also in barley country uh, out here as well. So it's kind of Colorado's native grain. Yep, un, uh, <laughs> very unusual. Thanks in large part to the Coors family bringing Moravian strains of barley over to the Rocky Mountains. And so for us, it just became a love affair that we couldn't deny. We were shocked that nobody was making this style of whiskey. And since we loved it so much, we knew that other people would too. And the limited stock of what you could get over here in the United States was very sparing, very difficult to get. And and so we started making these styles of whiskey using what we could get at the time. This was 2014, so what was out there and available was, was pretty limited. Uh, I was a chemist in oil and gas before. We had a downturn in the market. My company was moving their regional market from Denver back to the headquarters in Houston. My wife, Megan, had a wonderful job as well. And so one of us was gonna be looking for a job. Uh, And we decided that Houston was not our path. Our friends are here, our home is here. And so I then started distilling, trying to make and figure out how to mash this unmalted and malted barley whiskey and also started commercially distilling at Stranahan's, one so, of our so you're, you're you're home distilling at the beginning. Yes, exactly, uh, and that's you know totally legally out of the gate, just like all of us distillers uh, start. <laughs> uh, it's just part of of that that game that we bring into uh, being able to practice this, especially when you're making a different style of whiskey. Uh, Stranahan's isn't letting me you know, take their 20 barrel mash ton and run a couple test batches on it just to see yeah. how it goes. So sure, we just shoot the breeze on that. So. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was something that we started developing at the house to bring in that terroir of an American style of, of this version, self-policing as best as we could by the Irish technical file. Uh, we talked about, we don't have a mill in here for fire restrictions in our warehouse, um, but also cut down with El Dorado Springs water as well. But we do 
our mash bill is 50-50 unmalted and malted barley. We triple distill in copper pot stills. We wart separate our fermentation. Uh, so so you're, not, you're not distilling on the grain. There's no column still into a pot still distillation exactly. like a lot of American distilleries. Yes. That's fair enough. And we are sitting beside this uh, very rustic mm -hmm. looking uh, pot still to be to be uh, nice. It, it does look like a couple of uh, old Schlevines came in here with some sheets of barley <laughs> or sheets of barley, sheets of copper and kind of made it themselves. And uh, it, it was that. Yep. Uh, that's exactly how it was made. Yep. So so prior to Talnua, run us through what this building was. So this building uh, was actually a beet distillery so we so sugar beets sugar beets okay. yep, yep. Uh, so we benefited from on their their misfortune was our great fortune uh, I was at Stranahan's sitting at the brewer's desk and the owner of this building walks in and unbeknownst to him we had this idea and it had been three years in the in the making the recipe development the the story building the the connection of Ireland and America and bringing that Irish American history to life that we're really wanting to bring into this brand is Robert walking in saying that he's got a distillery that has just gone out of business. He's got a bunch of equipment. He knows what it is, but doesn't know how to use any of it. I started to tell him our story, the style that we wanted to make, tasted him on our product. And he was like, I love it. How do we do this? And I said, I have no idea. And that's how this was born. We we had a, Love the a dream, a vision. And then and now a sugar beet distillery. And a sugar beet distillery <laughs> that had uh, and you know, if you know anything about distilling like Ireland and and in the United States, they're not going out of business uh, at the moment. Yeah, they're yeah, actually yeah. in quite a boom scenario. So the fact that we had a permitted space that already had TTB so this, regulations. This, this is already licensed building. It's already licensed. We got our I hate we, we hardly ever tell our American compatriots this. We got our license in 34 days. So, I mean, it's a shocking, <laughs> shocking turnaround time. Okay. Um, uh, our only real difference was we had to show the TTB our grain conveyance because they were using sugar beets, right? So a yeah. totally different uh, mashing process, if you if you would, from 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 using barley. And so this was kind of that anthology of growing into this space that was available that really forced our hand in our timeline. I mean, it likely would have been another couple of years before we had, you know, got the business plan side of things together and capital pulled together. As you know, these are all very capital intensive projects Absolutely. Um, at any scale. And so we just let that fortune guide us into those next steps. And we formed a, a wonderful partnership. Robert Segrist, who owns the building, is a, I feel oftentimes like I'm uh, standing behind my dad with a bunch of tools and he's just like Phillips head and I'm just handing him stuff as he does, does all <laughs> the, the, the work as he fixes the exactly. garage or yep. your garage. As he's running steam lines in here and yep. all that, uh, uh, building out the tasting room. Megan, my wife, who is sitting a foot away from, a foot away from here hey Megan, what's going on uh and she is the president of the colorado distillers guild as well um so very jack of all trades then myself who does uh, a lion's share of the sales and all of the distilling so it's a it's a, a small crew uh that is then brought together by our designer amy who has the kind of that brand vision and design element that she is is brought into everything Okay, and it's probably worth noting, like in, in most episodes, I do try to broadcast or record as kind of live and, and, and on scene as possible. We're literally sitting right beside the stills mm -hmm. uh, and, and you're kind of a semi-louder tone. We're not stilling today, so there's no, no worries about no, noises yep. or explosions. Or explosions, uh, yep, everything's great. safely in uh, barrels. So. Yes, exactly, and there's a beautiful, no one can see this, but there's a fantastic backdrop of some... Uh, Dunnage style racked barrels behind us, beautifully uh, backdropped by uh, what I assume is like a 30 foot size <laughs> American flag. Yes. Yep. yep. Um, We're very proud to be American single pot yes. still. Yes. Yes. And, and I suppose that's actually a fantastic segue. You are not an Irish style single pot still distillery. Irish name, uh, Talnua or Talavnua being the new world, but you're not trying to be, I suppose, Irish. So give us a little rundown on kind of how that came about. You said you're kind of self-policing, like yeah. where did that kind of come from? So a lot of layers to that cake, starting really it's in the name, though it has that Irish heritage to it, we really want it to mean new world or new land. We want this to be 
the terroir of America brought to this old traditional style of, of Irish whiskey making, honoring the more modern whiskey technical file and its production style. So Rather we do, than its location status. Exactly, right. And, and I think that maybe you would translate that as single malt made in USA or Japan or whatever. I mean, yeah. you know, if you go far enough back, technically we're all making a version of Irish whiskey. Um, uh, when you invent something and then grains take over and regionality takes over, you get different flavors and different native grains that, that turn into different styles of whiskey. So though this has the heritage style of what now is coming back to the world after its long absence, we we want it to really represent the Irish American heritage because that's a different culture, yeah. distinctly different. I mean, how many times have you been in pubs and bars and people tell you where their family's from and where their last trip to Ireland was and how how much they enjoyed? I mean, I'm, as yeah, I mean, I mean, you also see the 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 ex country American crossovers all the time, big time. Uh, you know, and and one of the big things I think Irish people get a kick out of is the corned beef and cabbage. Uh, where inherently we don't have corned beef in Ireland, it's ham yep. and cabbage. Uh, it's no less of a tradition. The sure. Irish immigrants came, couldn't get the ham. We were usually kissing cousins in poverty with the Jewish communities. <laughs> mm -hmm. They had corned beef. Yep. Irish American tradition is born. The Italian uh, immigrants came over. I know in the kind of uh, East Coast areas, I don't know how far it's made it into the Rockies. Sure. But, uh, Christmas time, they have the Feast of the Seven Fish, uh, which is this massive American Italian tradition yep. uh, that the Italians have never heard of. <laughs> they have witches that steal children. They've been, they've, <laughs> right. they've been naughty. Right. Yep. So it, it's funny that it's a very interesting way to take, I suppose, the, the Irish origins and make it kind of uniquely, you know, one thing to say American, but you're using Colorado grain, Colorado water, you're making it uniquely kind of Colorado. Yes, absolutely. And and that, uh, you know, we we briefly talked about it and you can always argue the the what ifs of, of history that, that could have been, but it definitely is an interesting thing that, you know, if barley was the grain of New England or Kentucky, Tennessee, would it have been that the Irish immigrants coming over in large numbers uh, in, in the 17 and 1800s would have arguably made what they liked and what the world was already in love with. I mean, you look at single pot still whiskey, it was the darling of the world and a major model of Victorian enterprise in, in a global scale that hard to believe that that wouldn't have been being done. Uh, however, it's local is the cool thing now. It was the only option in 1840. And um, when you're in Maryland, you're growing rye. And yeah. when you're in Kentucky, you're growing corn. And that just became that what went. it is, right? Uh, and it might not have been but 150 years ago with the Coors family coming over, barley in this region of the country might not have, have taken hold in the, in the same in the same way. So now it's become kind of our native grain and what we grow, sugar beets, that's the prior distillery and corn or barley, excuse me, are really what is our uh, kind of heritage, maybe our culinary heritage of Colorado. And then we pull in American white oak and have virgin oak in all of our product lines as well, because that is something that is uh, kind of an American way to age, age whiskey. Uh, and then our climate is shockingly different. I mean, about as different as you could possibly get from Ireland. Um, where you know mentioned we're at six thousand feet here um, most of the mountains in ireland uh, though the relief is great because you're coming from sea level are three thousand ish feet um so i'll work that into meters later you do yeah, yeah we'll do the we'll do the calculation <laughs> we're talking gallons and feet here people sorry and american not uh not, not imperial. UK, yeah old, exactly old, old uk gallons yep so we have a, a distinct style that we want to bring to that. I don't want to make Irish whiskey. Uh, you guys seem to have that handled quite well. Uh, so I, I want to have this, this uh, distinctly American version. But as you might know, we're very proud of that, that heritage and where our, our families come from. So yeah. Yeah. So and I suppose you're saying that the Coors family brought over the barley. Yep. So you're what kind of almost like three kind of iterations of the barley genus in yes so you've now got kind of very resilient barley strains here yep uh, meant to grow in arid climates yep yeah 
So you've got that kind of ability. You're, you're, you know, you're saying earlier you're following the technical file to, to the, the, the degree you can. Right. You're not milling on site for fire regulation reasons. Yep. That's fair enough. You yep. know, mills. And I think we were discussing earlier, you know, a lot of distilleries in Ireland have wet mills to mitigate the, the explosiveness of dry mills. Yep. Uh, which anyone's ever dealt with a dry mill wildly explosive. it's wildly yeah and that's fair you're saying not many not many wet mills in the united states really unless you're massively commercial size yeah. yes and and you real our size those are wonderful i would i that's a envious point i would love to have a wet mill in here they're pretty expensive uh and just not where we are now eventually we'll have a mill we yeah. uh, at stranahan's we dry milled everything um again you have to have a explosion proof vacuum safe room that pulls all of that dust yeah. out great youtube rabbit hole is silo explosions uh, <laughs> listeners will understand why very quickly um so that is something that that's iteration number two we're about to have our one year anniversary on 14th and 15th to kind of celebrate saint patrick's day uh, which is which is when we we opened originally we were supposed to open in july and it would have been a 4th of July opening, but that would have been gin only. Uh, we do make all of our own whiskey here. So that was something that we pushed back, opened on St. Patrick's Day to kind of bring in that heritage and, and celebration. Okay. Uh, uh, but but it's- And you had whiskey at the opening, was that Exactly. The, so you were producing beforehand. Exactly. And you had the kind of grand opening later. Um, yep. So you're saying you make it all on site. I suppose we're sitting in this like lovely, this was clean distillery here. <laughs> you know, I always laugh. Radio and podcasts are very non-visual yes, metric of yes. information. Talk us through, I suppose, what we're looking at here from grain in, yep. actually even where the grain comes from, yep. to grain in to distillation. Give us a little, uh, I suppose, audio walkthrough. Absolutely. So grain in, grain origin, about 30 minutes to an hour north of here is root shoot malting. They are where we get our Colorado barley from. That Colorado barley is both malted there and the raw grain. Uh, in a really interesting uh, scenario, they have this German technology malting wheel. So it's not floor malted, it's actually malted in a completely separate apparatus. I'll let you visit those guys to, to, <laughs> to for really them to go, to go over that. Um, but that comes to us then in 50 pound sacks. So when I fill our grist bin, literally cutting sacks open uh, and yeah. pouring that into our, our grist bin. For the Europeans out there, somewhere in the low 20 kilo bags. Yes, uh, yeah. yep. Uh, and then 1200 pounds a batch. So whatever that would translate oh into as, as well. 2.2 yeah. pounds of the Kilo. Yeah. You guys can figure it out. <laughs> I'm not doing that on the fly. So okay, so it um, it comes in. So it's, it's handy to have a local uh, micro molsters. Absolutely. Uh, so there are farm and molsters. Yes. Yeah. And then it comes into you pre milled. Yes. Uh, what happens next? So we then uh, have a flex auger that transports that from the grist bin into the mash tun. And then that mash tun on top is a mash louder combo. So in the United States and perhaps more craft breweries in Ireland as well. We'll have mash louder combo sets because we do wart separation. We effectively make a beer and then distill that beer. So we have what would for most craft breweries in the United States be a two vessel mash louder and boil kettle system yeah. that is well, I would say I would say common here. I'm not sure how common uh, it is for 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 you guys. So visualizing is it's two 15 barrel, which as another conversion thing. Are we talking um, brewing barrels? Brewing barrels. It's brewing barrels. Yeah, thirty gallon barrels. Yes. This is just, this yeah. is just a confusing so see, episode. We're now. gluttons for punishment here, <laughs> but it really is a scenario that you would see in most breweries. So we've got that tank that has a hydrator on it, that that barley hits that hot water. Then we fill that up with our barley, both malted and unmalted at and the it, same time. And it's a three temperature stand, so you're not isothermal. So exactly. Like a mash tun, you are kind of almost a, a mash conversion vessel before yes. lettering. Okay. Yes, yeah. so we have, we then do a step mash with certain enzyme rests yeah. to break down, liquefy the starch and the unmalted barley to get that conversion into sugar and then we separate that liquid from the grains into wort and that process for us is a four hour mashing process to steam driven so bringing that temperature up over uh, the period of the four hours from 125 to 170 with Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit yeah. then transfer that over into our uh, 
boil kettle, and then our boil kettle is uh, in a brewery where you would add hops uh, that you are fond of, and uh, <laughs> we are pasteurizing that wort. So we'll leave that at 170 Fahrenheit for an hour while yeah. I clean and sanitize our stainless steel ferment. So this is a thing we talked about earlier. It's definitely a step I've never seen before. So essentially you've gone from your mashing lettering vessel into almost a holding tank where you pasteurize it, which is definitely a step I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. So what is your reasoning for pasteurizing? Because surely the actual pot still would sterilize the the distillate. So why are you doing it? post-mashing, pre-fermentation. So pre-fermentation sterilization is what a lot of breweries do to prevent any micro buildup in the wort before it goes into fermentation. So not only are we- From from the grain itself. Exactly, from grain, from just the transference of that and pipes, whatever it may be, air just spontaneously having bacteria and yeast falling into that. We then pasteurize that, then have stainless steel fermenters that I will caustic clean and then acid sanitize. So we have our perfectly clean fermenter that our pasteurized wort is going into so that when we are adding our yeast strain, there's nothing else going Nothing in. else in there. There's no other microbes acting on that but our yeast. So you, you want the pure flavors and esters and phenols from the yeast, nothing else. Yes, we, I definitely, doing testing, found significant flavor changes on distillate coming out of different yeast strains, which is why different breweries use different yeast strains. This has been some point of debate over time that yeast is more of just a conversion of alcohol. Certain types of yeast, that's very true. So a lot of dry distillers yeast will give you um, that efficient conversion, eat all of the sugar available, then you're on the efficiency side. Ours is much more of an ester building yeast profile that we want to capture and I've always worked under the premise that the still is a concentrating piece of equipment. It is not a band-aid, neither is oak. And so you are just concentrating down and selecting flavors from the still what you made in fermentation. So if you have a bad fermentation, you're not going to miraculously have great distillate coming off and then great whiskey coming out of of casks uh, either. So keeping a clean system builds consistency as much as we can as a small craft distillery a point of consistency where fermentations are identical then coming off of the still i'm able to select what came out of a good fermentation and i'm not having to fight that shed things hope that oak will take care of certain compounds Uh, its native state is something i would put in a bottle Um, we haven't yet but it definitely is one of those that we're we're proud of that distillate and so all i want at the end of that is oak to enhance that round it out take the sharpness away from from that new make i think people forget sometimes that uh, pot stills don't create alcohol they simply concentrate Mm -hmm. Uh, and the yeast have done a job and that's why that's why beer is so great Uh, is that you get all of these wonderful flavors coming from that beer. Uh, For us, our wash is about 9% distiller's beer. Um, That's that's pretty good yield. It's pretty good. It's it's good yield. Uh, We are... What's the... um... Your, your volume of your, your pot still or your, your ferment. I presume the, the fermenters are one to one with the pot still. It yeah. is. It's uh, keeps it keeps it nice and flow. So we have a stainless steel fermenter at four hundred and fifty gallons, copper pot still at four hundred and fifty gallons, uh, and then that's triple distilled that way, yielding. We, we, we I'm going to say we did look this up earlier. That is one thousand seven hundred and three liters yes. for for a pot still. For a pot still, such a wild <laughs> wild wild <laughs> number 450 <laughs> gallons is kind of weird uh, i showed you our new scale up uh, we might chat about here in a bit where we're going to 650 um those are which if you're wondering that's also wild conversion into liters yes some of it <laughs> some of the interesting we had our brewing equipment made um, but they have standard sizes that fit 
beer. So it's more, our system is more built for a beer to keg ratio rather than a like wash to barrel. Exactly. That's exactly it. Uh, so it's kind of weird. Our, our then distillate yields out of one fermenter is a barrel and a quarter of 53 American standard barrel, and 200 50, liters. We know say, that. Yeah. 53 liter being or 53 gallon being a 200 liter barrel. Yep. Okay. So you've won a uh, copper pot still here. Yes. So you're doing all three distillations in the same copper pot still at this time being at before time. your stills arrive your new stills arrive exactly and this is what was distilling our beautiful sugar beet spirit beforehand yes. yes so basically colorado you're saying agriculturally has an abundance of sugar beet and barley yes which puts you basically circa 1980 ireland Yes, <laughs> same same population as Ireland. I think we have the same GDP. There are a lot of no, damn, very we're, bizarre. We're looking uh, yeah. good. Yep. Uh, we don't have some the same grizzled accent though. It's <laughs> a, a little bit different. So this um, this pot still you're distilling all three times in the same pot still. Yes. How do you find? I suppose from kind of a distillation point of view, usually you know wash fermentations has a lot of foaming. Yep. There's got to be. Do you have to do quite a heavy CIP or clean? when you do your after between your your wash and your intermediate distillations uh no it's it's actually uh just a hot water cip okay um our fermentations are foamy we do use anti-foam in our uh in our distillations and in our fermentation just plant-based anti-foam just to yeah. knock the head down but it is a very clean fermentation so we found that I only see IP once a month or so uh, in between. That intermediary run is a beautiful cleaning step, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah. That that second run, purifying that alcohol, really does flush a lot of those fuse oils and things that are now in their non-soluble form where they have precipitated out already yeah. um, so that third distillation gives us a really clean spirit run uh, it was definitely a point of anxiety when we started uh, mm -hmm. how are we going to manage that i mean you, you're talking about running a nine hour uh wash run getting every drop of alcohol out she is not an efficient pot still for all of her uh for everything she's good at, efficiency is not, not is not one of those things. Are, are you doing one shot uh, wash distillations, no cuts, or are you doing cuts on the wash? We are doing cuts on the wash as okay. well. Yes. Yep. So, uh, are you recycling heads and tails? Or? Not heads, tails. Yes. Okay. Yep. And is heads captured by your uh, olfactory examination, or do you have kind of a time step? step uh, heads it is time? very uh, olfactory still, but there is a there is a heavy level of timing. I don't need yeah. to be paying attention until I've got a hydrometer reading and a volume that okay. we've taken out and then we use that as cleaner around here which is great hey. makes the stainless look good and I sanitizes gonna, I gonna sanitizes say, things sustainability yep. and recycling that's man. exactly that's what it. you gotta yeah. do um, okay so then we have a odd literage size still Mm -hmm. uh, which makes sense in US gallons. Yep. How many barrels are we looking at filling a week? So at 110 proof, which is right at our barrel fill. percent alcohol. Yep. yep. We have a barrel and a quarter is what we're filling. A week. A, uh, a fermenter. A fermenter. So okay. it would be two and a half then a week. And then this is going to throw all of your numbers off. Yep. Uh, in May, when we scale up, we'll have three 650 gallon fermenters, which is 20 brewers barrels. I know this is it's a it's a it's as you can't see me it's a, you can't see me grimacing on a microphone. <laughs> These are all things yeah. that well, the thing is your brewer's barrels doesn't even equate anything to distilling, which is great. It, um, and it's yeah. terrible because now we have barrels that mean so many different sizes. Yeah. Brewer's so barrels, fifty yep. threes, two hundred liters. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, so sorry, a week you're doing two fermentations to three di triple distillations, so you're getting two and a half barrels a week. Exactly. And are you then holding that half or we're sitting kind of square in between a rack of 200 liter barrels and then also quarter casks behind and I'm kind of unsure if there's a half casks or not as well. And are you holding that half or are you splitting with two quarters or are you just waiting for the next distillation to come through and fill the hole again or how are you doing it? That's exactly it. So our pot still, one of the ones that we'll try right now, the only one in bottles is our quarter casks. Yeah. So all we do is take the volume, fill up what we can that week and then fill up a partial that's going to be then filled up the remainder the following week's distillate. Okay, so of a full or of a quarter? It depends, depends on what's how next much in that. Yep, whatever is next in that in that lineup. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And before we jump uh, into your first whiskey here, 
how would you describe your new experience? Like straight off the still, like what does it scream to you? It is amazing how wonderfully warm and gingerbready that distillate is coming off with a hint of I, I hate to say fruitcake because nobody in the likes US, that. Well, yeah. it's, it's like, don't you give fruitcake to people you don't like in this country? Oh, that it, yes, it? that's it. Yep, <laughs> yep. There's, there's a myriad of issues with using the term fruitcake yep. because it just has, uh, it's never positive. People are like, oh, I got a fruitcake for Christmas. This is exactly yeah. what I wanted. To, kind all, of thing. to all Irish people out there, if you listen to any descriptors of heavily sherried whiskeys, the like, think your likes of Redbreast or your Bushmill 16, Christmas cake will come up there somewhere. There's having lived in the United States selling whiskey that is a very problematic tasting uh, yes yes uh, <laughs> we however get that in abundance so I need to find a better I yeah. just say kind of those dried fruits uh, notes even the sweet dried fruits like more like a raisiny than in an apricot than you're gonna get from like a dark plum or something okay a pruny note um, so so our, our distillate is actually is actually quite good however it's new make so it's sharp yeah um, it is definitely angular in its natural form which is of course enter oak into the the time component that is one thing that I am incredibly thankful for the United States is whiskey is still white coming off the still. There is no age statement requirement yep. to any type of your whiskey. Your moonshine legislators are your, or they're, uh, are be, they're our best friends. Yes, yep. apparently. <laughs> uh, and so, and, and you know, for here, it might make a lot less sense where, especially at altitude, our angel share evaporation is significantly higher than you will have in Ireland, seven to 10% a year. And you're also, your alcoholic percentage is going up, so you're it's losing up. water, like, like the guys in, the, in Kentucky and whatnot. Yes. So you're the opposite to Ireland where we're losing alcoholic percentage, exactly. you're losing water percentage. And two not even two weeks ago, it was 40 degrees Fahrenheit back here. Now we don't let it go between below 40 um, because you're starting to hit 32 Fahrenheit being freezing of water. Yeah, so zero. Uh, yep. 40 being around 4 degrees mm -hmm. Celsius, I think. And then quick math. you'll have yeah. to do the opposite math where it's then 95 degrees in here in the summer. Uh, you're, upwards at, you're, of 100. At, you're at like 30, 32 degrees Celsius. Yep. Interestingly, the hottest it's ever been in Ireland was 96 Fahrenheit. Oh, wow. Uh, that was two years ago. Wow. Uh, like that is, it hit that once. It did it really? <laughs> well, where, like your average temperature is the hottest it's ever been in Ireland. I can tell you once, once we hit May, it's 95 degrees back here at least. Uh, any day that we brew and distill because you get that boiler on it's not climate controlled you start running big, the big steam. roller door that you got a right big now. roller door that's yeah. all the climate control we've got yeah. uh, we do have heaters in here because it also gets well below freezing yes. below zero fahrenheit here yeah. even which which is Oh my god! That, yeah, the, it's my, biting. My, my conversion stops working at thirty-two degrees Fahrenheit, yep. zero degrees Celsius. So, negative. and and not but just a few miles from here, yeah. uh, up another four or five thousand feet, you're at those temperatures right in the middle of the day. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, rolling in here, it's like nice little plains and with mm -hmm. a backdrop of the Rocky Mountains. Uh, I had uh, a friend before tell me uh, from Colorado that. Uh, that you know the pioneers of America really showed their true their true grit making it from the East Coast all the way into the middle of Colorado and they saw the Rockies and went nah fuck now we're done <laughs> so we're just, I'm done yep. you know, we made it this far <laughs> nah. this place looks great yeah temperatures are nice <laughs> nah. so um, yeah so I guess we have some fantastic whiskey sitting in front of us you may hear some uh, glasses clinking uh, one other thing you might hear on this recording is the occasional thump and cheering uh, that is not a very enthusiastic uh, tasting room, although that'd be kind of cool. If it <laughs> was. Cool. I pretend. Um, yeah, uh, there was what uh, archery dodgeball next door, which yep. is just a yeah. So you share a wall with uh, with archery dodgeball. So if anyone can hear that in the background. Uh, that's what, that's what you're hearing. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing, uh, they're, they're being great partners. You get a lot of bachelor parties who will show up over there and be like, now we're going to drink whiskey. And so, yes. yep. And it is, it is actually fantastic uh, on the US laws compared to the Irish laws, having a tasting room in your distillery. Yes. Uh, where you can both purchase bottles and also cocktails and tashcons uh, meat. Um, but I suppose the first the first uh, uh, whiskey we we're actually we started at the start of the podcast and I think we're both nearly done at this. Yes, point. yep. <laughs> uh, what was uh, in this in this glass? So yes, so this is a blend of 
grain whiskey from Cooley yeah. that we then blend with our quarter cask pot still. So, okay. so to have that, it's right at about 45% pot still, um, that American made 50-50 malted and unmalted barley, triple distilled, aged a minimum of 18 months in our quarter casks, uh, then blended with grain whiskey coming from Cooley that we then have that 55% ratio of in this glass. So okay. those kind of lighter, easier drinking styles, nice bit of honeysuckle on the nose on this. Uh, okay. I'm going to give you a little cheers, then run yeah. through some more of the flavor notes for this one. So Absolutely. Good radio. Good radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, um, that is delicious. It's very, it's very nice. It's, uh, we're really proud of how this has come through. That grain whiskey is a very light body to it. Yeah. Um, but the, the beauty, I think, of any blend with pot still in it is it doesn't lose mouthfeel. It doesn't feel skinny. You still get that nice coating. And I think it actually carries the grain whiskey with it as well onto the palate, which I'm uh, quite happy with. Whiskey in any form, in any game is terrifying because you do not know what it's going to do. You don't know how it's going to blend. And so when we created this project, there were still years before we would have it married in this glass in this way. So we're really happy with how this, this came out. Um, and and how, does, uh, how does one with the US TTB being the, the fantastic uh, archaical uh, society that it is, yep. how does one uh, classify a, I don't know what to call this because it's you're not you're not calling it an Irish American whiskey. It is an American kind of whiskey. Yep. Um, but it's not a blend. It's a blend as I would know it, but yes. not as blend I think as the TTB was known. Right. So so this you get into uh, an interesting topic. I'll go over briefly because yes. it could be a whole other podcast. However, it is give, give the top line. <laughs> we have the top line of there are what the world. Maybe not the world, because there's hardly a global standard for speaking about whiskey. Yeah. Um, um, I hope that that grows a little bit more, but if wine's any indication, likely not. But there is similar terminology in France and California, say, yeah. for, for instance. Um, in America, we drink a lot of blends every day that say blend. Jameson, Tullamore, all of those styles that we might get from Ireland uh, are blends of different types of whiskey that are in one bottle. In the United States, blend, to be called a blend by US regulations, has to be two straight American whiskeys, distilled in America, aged in virgin white oak, then brought together in that form only. No finishing, no anything, right? So it's a, it's a very whiskey. linear term, and that's the only way that you can put blend on your label. Okay. Uh, so what in the world is this? So this is a blend to everybody else. Yeah. We even describe it as a blend to people. Uh, however, we call it our heritage selection. There are very few things that we can call it besides yeah. just whiskey. whiskey. Um, we like the heritage of blending whiskeys in Ireland, which are common, uh, even in Scotland, obviously, as well, being a lion's share of Scotch whiskeys are blends. Uh, so it is two separate whiskeys blended together to make a single whiskey in your glass and we love that it has that Irish American heritage to it mm -hmm. a tie perhaps someday we'll be knocking on distillery doors in Ireland and saying hey does anybody have grain whiskey that we'd like to maybe do a co-branded project here's how this tastes um, or even could be still. a fun thing you can, have exactly. a blend, you can have the world's first blended pasta. That's exactly it. There's no limitations. This yeah. is a proof of concept. What you're tasting is a proof of concept. You're sitting in it uh, at the moment. Uh, we are the not distillery, a, not the glass. Yes, yes, it's we different, are. Different. <laughs> yes, different, different. We are in a, a a place where all of this is new to us as well. Mm -hmm. uh, where these have just become their own product lines that we've just informed months ago. So uh, it's fun to watch them take on their own personality, um, but we do like that this kind of has that Irish-American tie. Okay. So usually there's there's some time between the whiskeys we talk about on this show. Mm -hmm. um, I'm laughing at myself because we basically we both just kind of knocked back. It's been <laughs> we've at this point I don't know where it'll be in the editing of this podcast, but in the recording of this podcast, we're about forty minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've been nursing this one glass for quite a while. Um, so the second glass we have that is we haven't touched yet, which was, was good restraint on our, yeah. our part. Much darker tones. A fantastic uh, nose, a lot going on here. It's very rich, very fruity, it's very deep. Mm -hmm. 
What in the world is in this glass? This is that 50-50 malted and unmalted barley, triple distilled in our copper pot stills, then aged in virgin American white oak cast. So this is both 15 and 30. So they kind of both 15 and 30 gallons. Uh, they both fit into that quarter cask range. We're getting, we're phasing the 15s out, but just like you know, uh, greater surface area ratio imparts oak faster. Here, we benefit from that angel share so that the oak has lost some of that tannic quality because it is virgin oak, kind of our, if you might say, um, culinary um, heritage to okay, uh, American signature as, well. signature as well to most American whiskeys is that virgin white oak component and so it has a nice bold spicy oakiness to it this will stop at two years at that straight American whiskey designation will hover that right around that two okay. year time frame and is that just your surface contact wood kind of idea and you start to lose a lot of whiskey. So to keep it economic, uh, we are at about $39.99, 40 US dollars for okay. this bottle of whiskey. Uh, if at I let a, that go for too much long, at a 750, yeah. Okay. If I let that go for too long, I'm I'm really starting to fight that, that angel share. Yeah, that's a pretty good price point for a craft distillery. I, like. I hate expensive whiskey that's just expensive because it's small. I, 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 I don't like that model. Uh, I also very much feel the weight of putting single pot still on a bottle uh, and and really want that to be good and a good experience. And if people don't know what it is, uh, it's difficult. Not a lot of people in the United States know what single pot still is or what informs that style of whiskey. Mm -hmm. So I really want to keep it at a price point that's accessible for people, that's triable for people, uh, and that isn't out of its lane uh, okay. at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you give me, I suppose, a little more cheers, and then as we're having a sip, you let me know what we're we're tasting in this glass. Yes. So I I get a lot of those those darker notes on this one, especially compared to the blend where you were getting those honeysuckle notes. Uh, I get a lot of the those earthy dried fruits, uh, a nice little cinnamon note on that, and that kind of hallmark pot still spiciness on the tongue as well. Definitely. There is a lovely, uh, there's a lovely kind of viscous creaminess to it as well, even if I'm looking at the legs right now. Again, terrible visual uh, for radio. Um, but this is uh, legs like I've never seen before. Um, Sharp and defined. It always it is. Uh, yes. Uh, and, and you said that you're cutting this with uh, kind of carboys of Colorado. Yes. Like Colorado. Is it is it meant like snow melt water or? It is. It's from a place called El Dorado Springs. They're very proud this year. They won best water in the United States, which then made them uh, about third best water in the world. Um, hey, that's, that's, a, that's something to write It's on, something right? to write. They're, they're quite proud of it. However, they do uh, one liter bottles, uh, one gallon jugs five gallon carboys and then 40,000 gallon tankers. So there's nothing in between five gallon carboy and an entire tanker of water. And so we're at the five gallon carboy size here okay. uh, where we're cutting that down. Uh, it's all Rocky Mountain snow melt. So surface water, first pass water uh, coming straight out of, uh, out of the Rockies. There's a natural spring uh, that collects that on the surface. Okay. As well, it's actually a tourist thing. You can go up and swim in the spring, and they have hot springs as well that I presume coincide the swimming with that. Spring it's separate. It's we're, theoretically we're not, we're not separate. Yeah. yeah. Theoretically <laughs> separate. That's not a word I wanted to hear. <laughs> There's um, plenty of booze in this. That's though. all right. Yeah. yeah. To knock it out. Yeah. Um, so is and, and as well, I know in, in U.S. regulations you have uh, strengths at which you you're curtailed or you can't bottle above. Does that apply to your cat? I'm not really sure. Do you guys even fit into a category of U.S. Uh, whiskey regulations? Are you just essentially for TTB purposes whiskey and yes. then you can subcategorize yourself? Exactly. So we have um, our designation literally does not fall into anything but whiskey um, because we have that 51% rule where… 51% malt, 51% rye, 51%… Uh, corn. Maize. That's exactly it. And then you're that style of, of whiskey oh, so is you what you escape put on the label. Right. Oh, so, so it's like a mandatory. So if you had 1% more malt, we would be a malt whiskey. Whew, yes. It's a, it's a really confusing. interesting. So, <laughs> and we haven't, I didn't even want to approach that with the tax and trade bureau. We just went 
we avoided that uh, completely. So, so as long as you're not over 51% of any single type of grain, you're just whiskey. You're just whiskey. Okay. So we have a tight window. I mean, in, in Ireland, you can have that 5% other yeah. grains. However, uh, we are in barley country. We really don't grow anything else here. Uh, so to keep it a really Colorado native, uh, there isn't some random farmer up in the mountains growing oats. No? There, I, well, now you can grow limes in Colorado. There's peaches here. I mean, you can Fucking do it. But it's a, but it is a it is a uh, that it gets more back to the heritage of we yeah. could have corn in here if we wanted to. Yeah. It would still be from the United States. I mean, there's there's things that we wanted to do and bring together that really. Uh, paid homage to this style of whiskey, but also to our regional heritage here. Uh, and so I think I would have been, even if they allowed 20, 30% other types of grain, likely we would still be a hundred percent barley malted okay. and unmalted here. Uh, so if you went, but if you went the flip side, instead of going 51% and above malt, mm -hmm. you went 51% above barley, or green barley or yep. malted barley. That doesn't accidentally classify you into something else, right? So nope. you do have the, the flip side of that window. Yes. You can head up upwards in the unmalted areas. Um, you just got to look after the efficiencies as I vaguely point to But yeah, wave over at the equipment. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, it becomes an efficiency issue. Honestly, I found that when we started doing this in 2014. Um, in your home brewing mm -hmm. or your home distilling days. Uh, that, that balance, we... we swung those right even before we had ttb uh in in the back of our minds when we're trying to think of okay where is this going to fall because uh, there's certain labeling requirements yeah. then of course uh it was flavor driven so it it just happened that 50 50 with the the barley that we have here was a wonderful mixture of that we we did 25% one way 25% the other uh, and the preference really lied right in that that happy medium okay uh, so so that's the it was always flavor driven because you can work on labels and stuff later but it needs to taste good first and foremost is yep. really where that that anthology came from yeah and I suppose the you are a, a, a I suppose a tasting room and kind of tourist area as well yep um, and I suppose if there are people coming here whom Trying to explain single pot still to the general American consumer as an Irish distillery is difficult. Mm -hmm. Trying to describe single pot still to the American consumer as an Irish heritage style kind of but now made in the United States must also be kind of confusing. I'm sure you get, I suppose, very interested and also I'm sure very confused people through the door. Big time. And it's funny what people associate with things. Um, you know, I'll get through and, and I really try to drive home the unmalted barley characteristic because people are also have a, a thought process surrounding single malt whiskey. So when you say 100% barley, I mean, we run into issues with, we tell people we have malted barley and unmalted barley and people don't know what that means even. They don't, uh, they don't know what the malted part was. They don't, yeah. right? And so I very, uh, we go through kind of a whiskey 101 for people at the very beginning. Okay. How much of that sticks is relative because people are interested and excited to be here um but you're also here to drink and have a good time uh you're not most people aren't taking notes on yeah. tour as i said the aforementioned tasting room is fantastic yeah thank you yeah. yep <laughs> so we have a whiskey 101 at the very beginning that describes what single is what that means made at one distillery what grain whiskey is what malt whiskey is the malting process so that there's an understanding that the barley has gone through a process other than just it being out shucked of the off the, out of the field yeah. uh, so there's a starting point there we try to get people to to understand what it is yeah and that then goes into grains are like grapes because a lot more americans speak wine than they, than they do, do whiskey, at least which on is, the verbiage which is, side. Which is funny because I don't know the numbers, but I assume we're pretty equatable on the amount of wine, the amount of whiskey you're making in this country, or maybe even perhaps, well, maybe not drinking. A lot of people drink wine. <laughs> yes, a lot of people drink wine. People drink wine from all over. Uh, the, the thing is here as uh, we make a ton of whiskey, but we make until recently with another you guys are going through the same thing where you have a, a now craft boom is that there were a few big guys that until 20 years ago informed the conversation 
yeah. around American whiskey and it was all bourbon whiskey and bourbon came from America and Irish whiskey was only Jameson and that came from Ireland and yeah. Scotch whiskey was smoky and the, the amount of Americans I meet will fight me like will physically fight me <laughs> that bourbon has to be made in Kentucky yeah oh absolutely like, there's and I'm like well we're going to agree to disagree at this point uh, <laughs> and I I basically like single pot still I effectively have to say Kentucky is the undisputed heartland of bourbon. Ireland is the undisputed heartland of single pot still. But like single malt, these are transferring across global lines. Japanese single malts now American single malt category likely coming out in 2020, 2021. Uh, those things are being identified as regional variances of styles of whiskey. Exactly. That's kind of the thing that you don't say Scottish single malt. Yeah. You're cool. Yes. Like you don't say Irish single pot still. You're cool. It's, you know? it, it, that's, and that's where, and that's how we interpret, when we started this, the last thing we wanted to do was step just, and, well, step on toes and just for no reason culturally appropriate something uh, that it's also not a, not something that is uh, uh beneficial to yep. at, at any point listen uh, i've been to switzerland do you know how much fucking bourbon is made in switzerland oh yeah <laughs> like that is wild they're not a part of the eu so they don't yep. have the eu they don't US, have that, dis yep, that designation agreement. so my god the amount of bourbon made in switzerland is hilarious it, so this uh, is this is where we had this thought when we were informing yeah. our brand and our decision to really dedicate an entire distillery to only this style of whiskey was ballsy by the way I, it's a, it's a, like, we're all on black here. This is boom. We're rolling the, we're rolling the <laughs> roulette wheel and it's going. Um, but it is a process that we really believed in, that we fell in love with, that we could not get at the time. And when we looked at the regulations of, of how it was written, it was like, so this is exactly like Cabernet wine being made in California taking French grape varietals, planting them in Californian soil, and then tell me that that French wine and that Californian wine taste the same. No, they're the same uh, grapes, but everything that has informed the creation of those wines builds them into completely unique characters. And so taking that same mindset, bringing that to Colorado where we're in barley country. So if I'm in the new world, one might in say. the new in world, the of new, uh, that, we, should that's, that. we should, I think, you know what? <laughs> I got, I think I got you're him. onto something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was really how this all, Came, okay. came to be and um i suppose for actually it might be yeah let's let's jump into some some as as megan treats us very nicely to our third whiskey here um and as she's doing that how i suppose from an irish perspective um because i know that the tal new is actually one of the the, the the distilleries that we know more so in the united states making single pot still from a an irish whiskey community fabric kind of collective um, how have you been finding the the reaction from our side of the water to, to you guys? I think I am shocked that you all know about us. Um, I am incredibly flattered that you know about us because it is a... I expected this in five years when we're have a more meaningful distribution right now we're really in the uh denver metro north colorado area because we for better or worse our plan was to make all of our own whiskey now we have this blended whiskey with uh coolie but then these other whiskeys that are single pot still whiskey exclusively made here we wanted to be known as that and there's nowhere to source American single pot still whiskey from to kind of build a brand. So this is a very organic state that we are growing this from. So like MGP isn't just making pot like, still whiskey. Pot Turns out That's there's no weird. unmalted barley. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a kind of a bizarre, <laughs> bizarre scenario. And to be American on that side, uh, if we were just then sourcing a bunch of Irish whiskey and putting it in bottles that also then I, I, I didn't necessarily want that to be what we were known for. I wanted to grow this in an, a very organic way. Um, now that takes a lot of time. Yeah. So I expected the Irish side of the pond to not really know about that until it became something that was outside of the Denver metro area. Uh, so I'm incredibly humbled by that. It also means that people are tasting that side by side and putting it in a vein. 
of similarity that... Well, as far as I know, there's only three bottles of Talmio whiskey in Ireland, and two have already been drank, as far as I, I can I tell think you. there's. I think there's... We get a lot of people through here, yeah. believe it or not, who, oh, okay. uh, who have brought stuff back. <laughs> uh, I mean, best thing about Colorado is, is it is a tourist destination, so we do have a lot of uh, foreign traffic through here, uh, which has been another kind of fun thing because people are googling what to do yeah. people who live here aren't googling what to do in arvada colorado yeah. as much as people are who are passing through and we're right on the way to the airport yeah so we have a way and style that we want to bring back that i was not anticipating having this level of conversation having you sat here in this chair across from me in my distillery and we are not even one yet uh, yeah. so so that's kind of I would say I'm I'm very excited about that conversation because I love this style of whiskey so much that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I I don't know that I can do anything else at this point, uh, but but make this this whiskey. And I think it's funny, like from an Irish perspective, I think one of the things that has like ingrained, I suppose, curiosity, if nothing else, curiosity, right? Um, and I know like the spirit guides in, in Wexford, just the county, two counties south of Dublin, mm -hmm. they had a town new tasting uh, quite recently. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the curiosity is there, I think, because you aren't calling yourself Irish style. There's a lot mm -hmm. of distilleries in the U.S. who are making, you know, quote unquote, Irish style single pot stills. Sure. Um, and if you go into brewing terms, it's much the the angst of the Belgians when the US make lambic styles yes. beers. Yes. And the Belgians go, you can't make lambic if it's not in Belgium. Yes. Right? Yep. And very much in the same kind of note that there are a lot of distilleries in the US making Irish style. You can't see the air quotes I'm doing, but I'm making right. very yep. intentional yep. air yeah, quotes. Um, the Irish style single pot still, and I think there was more of a harbored goodwill into you're not like like from the first moment we found. I remember you, you've had several iterations of names in yeah. your in your time here. Yep. Um, U.S. trademarking. We <laughs> that's yeah. the other thing. You have the TTV and then the trademarking. Yeah. There's. But I, I remember I found you. I think one name ago. I think there's been three iterations of names. Likely. And, and I remember mm -hmm. finding you. I think I found you on like an Instagram like hashtag single pot still or yep. something. Yep. Um. And I was like, you know, my first thought was like, who the hell are these guys? And then it was like American single pot still. And I'm like, I'm in. I'm love already. It. I'm already. It. it doesn't say the word Irish. I'm like, I'm in. I'm yep. totally interested. And and we're not. And I very much respect that geographical designation. Uh, that is something I think should be honored and protected. And if people have this style of whiskey. I believe that there are characteristics, especially at where we are in our young age now, uh, on the nose that you get with Irish single pot stills, but it is going to be a completely different creature. And yeah. so I and want I, it to be that way. And the yeah. glass in front of me here, virgin oak, especially at this elevation. Yep. Like, so we have two glass, two new glasses in front of us that Megan was very uh, good to drop down to us. Yep. Um, one is like, wildly leathery and oily yes uh, which is very different even to the previous whiskeys we're trying and yes the other is very dark berries and they're even just oh wow there's a little bit of herbalness in the back of that one mm -hmm. wow mm -hmm. okay. which i'm tasting this castor we don't bottle this for another uh that second glass you were just describing yeah. we aren't bottling this in two sundays from now okay. uh, right before this is our both of these that you have are our saint patrick's day special releases so this is year one uh that leathery first, first note, glass that first glass year one okay and that second glass uh has is finished in port wine casks so age in our quarter cask then finished for six months in port barrels so kind of inherently the similar style whiskey of each other exactly different style different finishes different finishes different uh vintages as well yeah. you might say okay. yes so walk me through St. Patrick's Day release one, the leathery one. This, this is a testament to what different barrels can do. Virgin American oak quarter casks, but just like single barrels or cask selections of any kind, we made this a unique creature. So it has a lot of those leathery tones, notes that people might associate with a much older whiskey, um, but this was all of 12 months old when it came into uh, 
into that that first bottle. And, and what proof is this? So this is 90 proof. So it's actually 45% ABV. 45% ABV, which are the previous whiskeys you tried were all 86 proof. Yeah. Um, so this was just those barrels that uh, us owners pulled together to make that first batch. Okay. Uh, it's, it's like wildly leathery, but it, it's, it's, it's shocking. For, from for, virgin oak exactly. is a weird. And for people that don't know kind of single pot still, that leather tone is is a very positive note. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas if you had a, I don't know, a different product and said someone said tobacco and leather, yep. you'd be like, why would I want that? Yes. Uh, whiskey, that very, very attractive uh, characteristic. And it is, um, it is, yeah, it's wild. We know uh, it right I'm, away. You've already tasted it, so I'm going to taste it now. And while yeah, I'm, doing I'm sitting it, here drinking. Yeah, I'm exactly. having a great time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> while I'm tasting, because that makes really dead air radio, tell me a little bit more about uh, how you selected these barrels. So this was, we didn't have in our year one what was going to inform this whiskey. We only had about 30 barrels to choose from. So we had a very limited stock of options to pull from. In that limited stock, we had some genuine wild cards, truly whiskeys that were uh, unlike the others who I think fall more in that vein of that quarter cast that you had just tried previous to this. Those had those leathery spicy notes and uh, an exceptionally creamy broad mouthfeel to this whiskey that, that, that struck that single pot still cord in a very unique way that we wanted it to be what was represented as that first special release. It's funny for me because whiskeys I've had with this kind of characteristic is like old, like second fill sherry barrels from the eighties. Yeah. Like it's almost a, there's almost a, it's almost kind of a, almost a mustiness in this, in a, again, a positive sense. Yes. We, when you get into pot still, you get the weirdest taste. Yes. Um, but, but it's, it's like fruitcake. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they're just not, they don't sound like good, yeah. good notes to bring together. Um, but this is like, I, if I, if you'd put this in front of me, I could have, I could have mistaken this for an old eighties, uh, pot still in some kind of like, <laughs> old wine barrel yeah you know what i mean like that kind of old dublin style pasta like this yep. is bizarrely similar one year and a virgin american oak cast char three of all things okay as well. so heavily tried it's, yeah. it's very it there's a reason why we pulled these out because yeah. they were so unique at that age uh we were we it, it also gave us a lot of confidence things are going in the right direction right yeah uh, that that this was that and the age of the, the previous ones you tasted were around 18 months right yes 15 yeah. to 18 months okay. so all in that vein we're still at that point where yeah. we have those 15 gallon casks yeah. coming out all the way through our year one which which will end in march uh, 2020 coming yeah. up here in a few weeks then we start moving into 30 gallon casks that are over two years old okay and then the second glass your cast strength edition so this is going to be saint this patrick's year's day. saint patrick's day now this is just the whiskey coming out of that port cask we'll actually have some quarter cask barrels that are added to this because it's very porty. So this is cast strength, so high proof, and it's got a lot of those port notes that we're gonna put a little bit of space in between because some of those I've found can taste more medicinally than, than plummy, and I need that space in between those notes to yeah. register that as those dark fruit notes that port wine is just very famous for. Okay, so this is a little cheers. Little cheers. Make for some dead air radio. Right a little sip. There's so, some serious color on this glass as well. Mm -hmm. That port barrel was still had port wine in it when it came to us, which was amazing. Um, it, it was we expected a dry cask coming over from Portugal, yeah. uh, and and it really has that very red quality. I mean, holding it up is has almost a purple hue to exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah, this is, this. And you say you're going to cut this back with a little bit other quarter casts yep. and also bring it down to kind of a bottling strength Yes, as well. yes. So right now it's likely 113 to 114 proof. Okay. So it's very, very concentrated. A lot of those poor yeah. wine notes kind of pulled into a concentration here that we're going to really put some space in between. That watering down, uh, cutting that will also, I mean, you know, just open those notes up. Absolutely. So I suppose we're, we're definitely um, 
pushing our welcome here because you do have a, a business to run. <laughs> it's um, totally fine. Uh, if there is something that you wish, um, I suppose, the broader whiskey community to know, or particularly the Irish whiskey community, because you know a lot of our, our listeners are, are very much Irish whiskey centric people, mm-hmm. um, about telling you a distillery here in the outskirts of Denver in Colorado, mm-hmm. what what of a takeaway would you want them to have about Tony? I think what I tell people specifically is that we want people to know about single pot still. I believe that Ireland was always right in making this style of whiskey. I think that it wasn't an accident that it was the darling of the world, that people had loved this at one point in time. And our mission is to have people fall back in love with single pot still and prove to the world that this is the best style of whiskey and that others beware because this whiskey <laughs> you're, you're style coming. is coming really coming, right? It's yeah. coming back and and I, I don't think we're gonna be alone in the next few years in America. Um, Ireland is obviously, uh, it, it gives us great confidence that this will come back as a major global style of whiskey because of the the boom in Ireland and and watching those distilleries. Now there's actually distilleries I haven't been to in Ireland, which is amazing because there, <laughs> there were years that it was like, well, I've been to all two of them, so that's uh, not our trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so we've we we're really excited to watch this grow and and honestly, incredibly honored to be a part of it. And if people were going to find you on the old social medias and online, mm-hmm. I, I, you do have a tasting room and, and obviously the, the distillery here. Yep. Uh, people can show up yes. should should they find themselves in the Denver area. Absolutely. Um, but if they were to look for you online, um, what what kind of social handles, websites could they be looking for? Yep. Uh, Talnua.com. Easy. So T-A-L-N-U-A. N-U-A. Yep. Uh, also at Talnua distillery uh, for both Instagram and and Facebook as well our Twitter game will grow over the next uh, year or so I, fi- I find that with American distilleries you're fucking wild on the on the Facebook and the yep, Instagram and, yep. like, and then there's like we, we and then we, we also held, have a Twitter we held, we also we have held the Twitter but yeah. like we're yeah. not we're not really doing yeah. it yeah uh, <laughs> as for Tolnua uh, interestingly if you google it we pretty much come up because there's not a lot of other Tolnua anythings out there yeah, yeah. Um, wildly just Irish words <laughs> yes uh, exactly yeah. hybrid and broken into a yeah, single yeah, yeah, form. Yeah. Yes, it's fine. Talov is a hard word. Yes, uh, there's, there's a very confusing V sound with an M H. Yep. Um, uh, and then, I, okay, well, I suppose uh, for everyone that has been listening so far, um, uh, we're delighted to be here. Thank you so much for your hospitality. Um, if you out there in podcast land have enjoyed this, please do like, share, and subscribe. Uh, tell your friends who are interested in the world of Irish whiskey. And obviously sitting here in the middle of Colorado, the kind of extended world and family of Irish whiskey. And, um, you know, ratings on your, uh, your podcast apps do help us get around to different people who want to explore the world. And um, if you want to find us online, we are potstilled.com. On Instagram and Twitter, it's uh, potstilled underscore. And then on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash potstilled. And as always, if you want to send me an email and bitch about your favorite Irish whiskey, compliment the worst whiskey you've ever had, whatever you want to do, we are potstilled at gmail.com. So do share, like, and subscribe. And uh, Mr. Distiller Miller, Patrick Miller, Thank you so much for your time, Gramina Magath. Thank you so much. I honestly really appreciate you making it all this way. Thank you again.